So there's a lot of definitions to biohacking and I've distilled it over the last 10 years to just simply meaning biohacking, bio means life, using science and technology to optimize your life. The number one biohack that I guarantee you're not doing is putting your feet on Mother Earth. We're designed to be outside, not inside. We're in these rooms we're sitting in, 70% more toxic than being outside, just 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 by being here. So wow, something wow, to wow. just consider. If you can get yourself outside 50% of the more of the time, 25% or 10%, like just little increments, you'll just significantly notice different results in your energy, in your focus, in your stamina, all the things. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. I am broadcasting live from my new home here in the Dominican Republic, and that was a really good move. A move I made that I'm not so sure about, though, is welcoming in a co-host. So for the first time, I've ceded some control of this thing I love, this Tribe of Millionaires podcast, to Grant Warrington. Hi, Grant. Hey, buddy. First, I want to thank Abundance for making me the new host. Uh, it was a long time coming. Um, I think this is going to help the show. That's why I came on here to be the new host. So thanks for conceding, Jamie, to be co-host. Over, over my dead body. And Abundance has nothing to say about this, just so you know. This is 100% Jamie Gruber, all me, nothing about you. You are but a, but a, what, a, a side note on this entire uh, journey. That's all you are. Got it. Got it. We clear? Oh, we're, I'm, I'm going to love this. Yeah. Crystal, crystal clear. You're supposed to say crystal. crystal yeah. <laughs> so dude, we made this move, what, three weeks ago now for as we record this episode. And uh, right now, if you're watching on video, like I got like a mic just standing in front of me, staring at me in the face. I can't get my mic stand to hook up. Wi-Fi might cut out. Warning for everybody. I don't know. We'll see. We're in uh, a temporary Airbnb now and then we'll move to our permanent digs uh in what three weeks yeah the end of end of september so october 1st we move to a more permanent place and i'll actually be able to buy my own wi-fi high-speed wi-fi so that uh i'm not dealing with some of the pops but i have literally like everything off other than this in the entire house just to hope and pray that we get through this hour so whatever that's worth that's why it looks a little different for me so you ready for this grant you you sure you're ready who, Brett or me? Grant, I said. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's get this thing going. We've been talking about you for like five minutes now. I'm like, yeah, I know, but here's the thing. Brett. If the co-host, like everybody's got to see, if the co-host doesn't know his own name. That's demerit. a problem. Demerit. Just so you know. Anyway, let's bring in our guest. You ready? Let's do it. Here we, here we go. <laughs> so we have today in the Tribe of Millionaires room, Brett Harmeling, he's a GoBundance member. He's a biohacker. He's a renaissance man, an energy healer, and a serial entrepreneur. You name it, the guy does it all. It's amazing to have you, Mr. Brett Harmeling. Welcome, brother. Thank you so much, guys, for having me. And I am so blessed that I get two hosts instead of one because I think that it'll be compelling into the conversations we're about to get into. <laughs> Just reserve judgment until the end. Well, that's what that's what I would encourage you to do. So, so Brett, you're uh, you're down in Houston. I know how engaged you are with, uh, especially that Houston chapter and everything. But give us a little bit about you. Are you from Houston? What's your origins look like? Kind of give us your five minute origin story. Yep, came from a small Dutch village in Wisconsin called Oostburg. My ancestors, uh, a little over hundred years ago, came over from Oostburg, Netherlands. 
and they actually made an official Dutch settlement. And so I grew up on a small farm there, started a paper route when I was eight years old. I played golf, hockey, basketball, soccer. <laughs> I was involved in our community. And as you may imagine, everyone was pretty much related. And so uh, we uh, were a very religious family and we um, also uh, did a lot of family trips. And so my upbringing taught me a lot of hard lessons and responsibility at a young age, growing up on a farm, having a paper route, um, and, and I was one of five. And so um, I tried not to get lost in the mix as much as possible, uh, which we'll probably touch on a little bit later. Uh, after you know my upbringing, when I was 18, I went to college, I went on an academic golf and music scholarship. Uh, yes, my school and my university was expensive. It was Carthage College. Um, I also pursued my leadership certification through the University of Wisconsin-Madison. And so uh, education's always been something that's important to me. Um, I had a mentor at a young age tell me that education equals economic freedom. And a important lesson that I saw and witnessed my my parents, you know, nothing against them no, and, and only respect, but I didn't want to work my whole life to become a millionaire. I wanted to fast track that by engaging and getting myself involved in circles like tribe millionaires and also institutions that could really advance the potential and intellect um, of myself so I could be a make a bigger impact on the world. Yeah, that's tweetable. I like that. Now you got a golf scholarship to college. What was your, what's your handicap? That's the first question. Gotta be. Okay. So back then I didn't really have a handicap. I was also a caddy at Whistling Straits for six years. And so my practice course was literally one of the best courses in the world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so very grateful for um, that opportunity. One thing my dad did is my parents put my brother and I through the Kohler Golf Academy which gave us, you know, the tools, the foundational tools to kind of take your golf game to, to the next level. And we learned at a young age. And so um, now that I'm older, I'm no longer like a scratch golfer. However, I will still shoot in the seventies because it's just oh. built into my DNA at this point. <laughs> Good for you, man. That's incredible. You said five kids in the family. Is everybody spread out at this point or, is, or where is the, where's the family kind of landed? Yep. So my oldest sister, Jessica, she lives in uh, Lake Tahoe. Um, my middle sister, Heather, has a family in uh, Michigan next next to you. Well, I guess you moved now, but yeah. near Grant. Near Grant. Yeah. Uh, she was a missionary in the Philippines for 17 years, which is a pretty wow. remarkable wow. story. And then my next sister, we unfortunately lost in a dive boat fire uh, three years ago, labor uh, September 2nd. So uh, so we're missing her. Uh, and then my youngest brother lives in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Wow. Wow. So the sister that so you had a sister in the Philippines, dive boating people. So what's the foundation of all of this? Like your parents, like how did, how did five of you, it sounds like very diverse, very mission focused kids go out and do the things that you're doing in the world. Cause it sounds like your mission, it lives in uh, your siblings or the legacy of your siblings. In, in one case, in the case of your sister, how did, how did, tell me about your parents in that regard. How does, how do they instill this in you or did they did it just kind of come happen? Yeah, I mean, ever since I was a kid, we've done mission trips and you've always been volunteering. And, you know, my parents are like stewards of philanthropy, you know. And so we always like, for instance, my dad's retired and he won like um, servant of the year or something for the food bank. <laughs> and he's like wow. 70 years old. And so you can just, you know, it's a testament. My parents like really led by example. And how that all kind of happened is my mom uh, started a dive company in 1972. Um in Santa Cruz, California with my and, my, and she had three daughters there. And then 
uh, went through some challenging life situations and then moved the family to Wisconsin, which is where my dad was. Um, and so then 10 year gap between my youngest sister, the one that we lost and me. And so a lot of hard times in between those with, you know, trying to have kids and whatnot. And so I'm kind of like the miracle kid. And what's cool about it is I'm from uh, 14 generations. And so there's 14 uh, people, 14 generations before me. And so it was important for my, to my dad, especially to have a, have a boy uh, to, to carry out the harmling name. So it's pretty cool. Talk to me about the, 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 your sister that passed. She Mm -hmm. was 10 years older than you. It sounds like, correct? Yeah. I believe she was 41 at the time of her death. So she was just a badass, like in and of, in and of itself, the word she lived like most people dreamed, meaning like she took people on adventures all across the world. She did stuff for, you know, National Geographic and Discovery and and was a marine biologist and had like tracked over 5,000 dives. And she was the kind of person that you'd be underwater oh, with and she would point something out to you that you would have just like never even looked at and then make it do something. And then all of a sudden this is beautiful, like <laughs> rainbow colored fish or some wow. crazy shit. And like, and then all of a sudden you're at 200 feet deep and you've only gone a hundred feet before. And like, so Gigi just like was very smart and also very, uh, yeah, she was like a creative genius, right? And so mm-hmm. she always, she always like didn't let other people's fear hold them back from living like a full, full experience. Wow. And so like, she did she leave anybody behind? Uh, husband, kids, anything like that? Or yeah, was yeah. My brother-in-law Dan Chua. So she, uh, he lives in uh, South Lake Tahoe, and he's also building a really cool house in Baja, California. So he's still, you know, near and dear to my heart. I love him. He's an amazing man. And uh, I'm just, I'm grateful she left him with us because I still get to do uh, cool adventures and trips with him. So your parents still around? Yep. Yeah. My parents are 70, 74. They're still in Oostburg, Wisconsin. <laughs> how, how is, I mean, you, you get to observe this as a sibling, losing a sibling like that. That's a pretty deep thing. And then I'll, I'll kind of leave this topic, but what yep. about your parents? How, how, how have you watched them go through? I can't imagine as a, you're a parent, right? I can't imagine as a parent losing a kid at any age. I don't care how old or young they might be. I, you know, I, I don't know. How, how did your parents take it? How are they doing now? Like, I'm just kind of curious how that grieving process was. Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be irresponsible for me to talk about anybody else's grieving process besides my own, because we all heal in different ways. And it's a journey. It's not linear. And so I think that my parents handled it pretty well. I think having uh, gone through a lot of hard life experiences, my mom did specifically, um, and trying to have kids and whatnot, I I do believe that having a larger family lessened the burden a little bit, because she still has four of us. Now, none of us live in Oostburg anymore, so we're a little spread out, but we do go home and visit. Um, but, you know, that that's that's grief and, and death and tragedy really are a great teacher and a lesson for us to realize the importance of life in and of itself. So, gotcha. The, we brought the um, family super close, uh, very close, and uh, we're able to all kind of put our our beliefs and 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 kind of like... I'm kind of the black sheep of the family, right? Entrepreneur, like very outgoing entrepreneur. And I saw that from my mom and my, my dad as well. Um, And it it was something that I learned at a young age that I just, I wanted to work with organizations and in organizations because I see, I see jobs as like, if you have a job with someone that you're aligned with, it's actually an, an investor of your dreams. And so, so many, so many people these days are entrepreneurs. Oh, I would never work for someone else. You know, that, that's a great methodology, um, but they're in today's economy, I believe that 
you know, intrapreneurship where you're an entrepreneur within an organization yeah. is profoundly impactful because um, I'm a better together type person. I think that um, together we can make a major, major impact if we uh, share <laughs> intellect and cl- and our collective genius, right? So makes sense. Makes sense. And Brett, I just want to say we're in a we're in a gold pod together, and just just touching back on that living life to the fullest, like you truly bring that to our gold pod and to all of us, and I want to commend you on that. And and it probably has a lot to do with the experience you went through, but we all. Um, you know, just really appreciate you and and making us aware of that too. You know, I just want to commend you on that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I'm honored and blessed to be a part of that GoPod grant with you. And also just, you know, GoBundance has really, man, just joining like a simple group like GoBundance, <laughs> just, I can no longer play small. So I'm always, <laughs> I'm always in the challenge state, you know, I'll present my one sheet and they'll be like, well, I think you can add a zero to that. And I'd be like, well, damn, I didn't even think about that and what that would look like and, and whatnot. And so I'm just really grateful because I believe like, you know, you can either quit or keep going and they both may be hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I'm like a keep going kind of person, like the little engine that could, right? So. And you're our bio biohacking expert too, by the way. So I'm excited to, to get into that. You know, I want to hear a lot more about that too. <laughs> Awesome. Well, Grant, ask the question then, Grant. Just ask yeah, him about what, Man, I wanted him to rip. Got, he, 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 I don't have to ask him a question. He's amazing in this space. So well, t- well, tell, me, first, tell me a little bit do more. This. Define it. We'll define it first, biohacking, right? And then, yeah, give, get, give us yeah, what does that mean I, for you. Exactly. Yeah, go ahead, Brett. Okay, guys. So, <laughs> so there's a lot of definitions to biohacking, and I've distilled it over the last 10 years to just simply meaning biohacking. Bio means life using science and technology to optimize your life. <laughs> and that's Good. it. That's it's really a simple yeah. thing. And so, you know, someone that travels like myself and has a lot of things going on, I have to optimize my environments. And so that like, look, and I also had a traumatic brain injury as a kid. And so I'm, re- for instance, I'm really, um, I'm really affected by net of like led lights and hard lighting and so to remediate the risks and the damages that those things cause to my brain i wear glasses and i travel with a red light and i try to follow circadian rhythm so the science of that simple um, methodology is you know when the sun rises it's time to wake up if you can look at that red glaring sun you're actually engaging and stimulating your cells it's called photobiomodulation And then likewise, when the sun goes down, we're really not designed to be around any type of lights, right? Besides fires and candles. And so, um, and, and man, we live in a, we live in a, (laughs) a high impact, high growth world. And so of course I'm not like, okay, put the computer down for the rest of the night, but there are different applications and programs and devices and tools that I utilize to like really, uh, mitigate the risks of, of those of those lights and so that's just one simple example but if people, when people ask me about biohacking i'm like the number one biohack that i guarantee you're not doing is putting your feet on mother earth mm-hmm. and i say that and people are like i'm like when's the last time you actually put your feet in the grass and the or or the ocean because the most charged place in the world is the first 10 feet of where the sand meets the ocean there's the most amount of um electrons and energy right there and so if you're there you're getting major charge if you're on the grass it's pretty good charge if you're on the concrete not a lot of charge it's really simple and i say that because we just like plants grow from where we're grounded 
And so it's really unlike anybody to have a major growth in their life, whether it's through a business or a health thing, if you're not grounded. And so if you can get connected and plugged into earth, um, you know, that's why like even hugging a tree might sound crazy, but the root, the roots run deeper, man, the roots run deeper. And so they're more energetically charged. It may seem like a crazy thing. That's because not a lot of people do it. And it is kind of crazy. And so yeah. I just tell people to get outside. We're designed to be outside, not inside. We're in these rooms we're sitting in 70% more toxic than being outside. Just, just, wow. just by being here. So wow, wow, something wow. to just consider if you can get yourself outside 50% of the more of the time, or even start by 25% or 10%, like just little increments, you'll just significantly notice different results in your energy in your focus in your stamina, all the things. Grant, you're uh, you're going to move to Florida soon, so you'll have that ocean access. It is true, yeah. man. Like that, being out there here, like just being able to walk out on the, like there is a a soothingness to it. It's not just the imagery and everything. So, Grant, that's all you, buddy. Yeah, that's that's, and I'll tell you the truth, you know, because like I said, we're in a go pod, so we've talked about things like this, and I do go out, I ground right? And I actually do hug the tree in my backyard. But what I do is I look around and make sure my neighbors aren't watching me, unfortunately. And, and I do, I hug the tree, you know, I mean, just from our conversations, I wanted to to touch on one thing, though. Um, you mentioned that brain injury. What can you can you go a little, uh, talk a little more about that? Like what happened? And, and is that where your journey started? Did you need answers? Is that what led you to biohacking? So having a brain injury and cracking my skull open and not being able to remember my mom's name really put me into a place of like curiosity of like, wow, if that can happen that fast in a millisecond of time, like I need to really protect this noggin, right? Like it's a real thing. And so I take it very seriously. What ended up happening? Okay. What do they do? They give you a they give you a drug that allows you to focus and think and and feel human and normal again. And so they put me on you know, basically prescription methamphetamine Adderall. Uh, mm. And so I didn't know any better. I was young. And so I just took that. And then, but then I, as I gained wisdom and knowledge and like really got curious about what I was putting in my body, it was actually in college and some, some girl like asked to buy this thing from like asked to buy it from me. And I was just really confused. Cause I'm like my whole life, I just been taking it, you know, and I, I had not known that it was like a super drug. <laughs> and so I just was taking it like unconsciously, but then I got really curious about it and I started studying it. And so then I can thankfully, thankfully, uh, say that I've been off of Adderall since I was 21 years old and I'm 34 now, but I will say after coming off of a drug like that, that was administered, you know, by a doctor, prescribed like just easy simple take this and you'll be able to think and feel normal well i didn't feel normal i felt inhuman and so i i had to come up with different methodologies more organic things and so that's what led me into my biohacking journey my yoga journey my meditation journey because med meditation for anybody that's afraid of it or doesn't do it it just simply means to become familiar with and so when you meditate, you become more familiar with who you are and, and you get to go deeper and sometimes going deep is scary. And so a lot of guys, a lot of people, not a lot of guys, but a lot of people tend to, you know, not talk about meditation or go deep, but Joe Dispenza leads multi-hour, multi-weekend, you know, long day programs that really teach the power of, of meditation and anchoring into that belief, like living to 200 years old. Yeah, it sounds crazy, but when you train your body and your cells to believe that this body is going to 200, 
Then when you're 50, you're like, oh my God, only one quarter of my life is over. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> Versus, oh, it's half over already. What am I going to do? I'm going to have to start taking anti-inflammatory pain pills and da 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 da. No, it's not the it's not the point of life. We're made to move and to be outside and to thrive. And so that's no, I love meditation does get you. I talked about this on a prior episode. Meditation really does get you like uh, tuned into that intuitive guidance system that you have inside of you. I love it. What was the, you said meditation means what again? What was the actual meaning of meditation? Uh, meditation just meditation simply means to become familiar with, to become familiar with that. That makes so much sense to me mm -hmm. because uh, yeah, that's, that's the objective I have now as I've gotten more and more clear on exactly what I'm trying to do with meditation, not just get quiet and not think, I think that's the misperception of meditation, but it's to get, you know, connected to me, to who I am, to my inner being, if you will. Do you have any deficits now? Anything that's that sort of, you mentioned the lights and that sort of thing, but is there anything that you you struggle with not being on Adderall and and more going the biohacking route after this TBI, this traumatic brain injury? Is there, are, are there anything that, that you, uh, I don't know, that the Adderall maybe did help, but, does, but you know, you don't, you're just not going to go there because of what it yeah. is. And I get why yeah. you don't. Yeah, I would say since I'm a high energy person that like uses uh, different supplements in nature to heal my body. So for instance, like instead of taking Adderall, I grow my own mushrooms and make a compound that that I take in a pill form that's measured and weighed and very methodically done um, to help me focus and give me energy and clarity throughout the day. It's not illegal. It's not um, a psychedelic. It's not something that's like banned. And so I can travel with it and take it. But really the thing is, is, you know, that down regulating thing. So when you to down regulate is to, is to really step in from this high energetic state into like, okay, I can just enjoy the mountains or I can enjoy where I'm at instead of always having to go, 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 go. Cause when you're on something like Adderall or any type of drug that controls your energy, like you don't have control. It's like gone. It's just like, you're on a, you're on the train. <laughs> yeah. And so you're just kind of getting pulled around and it's, I mean, it's an amazing drug. And so the hardest thing is like, there's nothing like it in the world. That, and, and, and if there is, uh, and it's natural, please reach out to me. <laughs> um, you're, you're, uh, and Grant, jump in man. anytime you want to yeah. just like, you know, bump me aside here, but you're yeah. a parent now you have a daughter, I believe. Am I right? Uh, no, I have a son. Son, I'm sorry. How old is he? So Logan is 11 months old today. <laughs> okay. Do you do you have you at this point? I'm curious. Being a biohacker, and you're you're so well studied on all of this. Uh, you know everything that maybe the medical community says. Most biohackers, and you know, see things very differently, and for very good reason. I side with the biohackers. Um, have you have you now, and do you anticipate? coming up against any issues, any concerns, anything with how you want your, your, your son to go about this world from a medical standpoint, vaccinations, anything like that. I'm just kind of curious if there's any conflict that you've had or that you anticipate having given your philosophy around uh, biohacking versus maybe what standard medical care looks like nowadays. That's a great question. Um, and so just, I want to preface it by saying like, whatever you decide as a parent, uh, for your kids is like, I totally respect it. I'm not here to tell anybody how to do it. Um, we read a book called the vaccine friendly plan 
And so that book really allowed us to think, and my wife, uh, Lucia, is an entrepreneur and has her own, she's a already registered dietitian. And so she teaches an author of a book called Intuitively Full, Trust Your Body, Change Your Life. And so she teaches people, uh, primarily women um, and athletes and, and you know, high level, C-level executive people, how to eat based on what, on what they feel. And so, so we read this book and, and it was really polarizing to, to know like the amount of aluminum and things that are put in these, in these types of things are really uh, hard on a, on a perfect innocent little kid's system. And so we chose this vaccine friendly plan and we, we calculated the risk. So yeah, if you're afraid of your kid getting polio, then you would probably get a polio vaccine. If you're not, if you're like, our kid's not, there's like, and, and then if he did, could he survive that? You know, and so you 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 play out that you play this game and you have hard, hard conversations because maybe someone doesn't want to believe in one or the other. Um, and then you make a you make a decision. But, you know, we believe um, as a family that God made us perfect, even if we're completely flawed, like like our imperfections is is actually is why we're perfect. Mm. And by, and like our unique peculiarities is like what the world needs. And we all have this you know, God shaped hole in our heart that we're just always trying to fill up. And that's why I'm connecting and meeting with people that, you know, you get that good feeling inside of you. That's like a real thing. You know, this is what my wife teaches, you know, your, your, your body's innately intelligent and is literally incapable of lying to itself. And so if you have a bad feeling in your body and you still go against what your body's saying, like it's probably not going to be a good result to that decision. Let's t- we're going to go to energy healing in- here in a second because that's a very interesting concept to me. I love the idea of the chakras and releasing it. I, I, it's it's just it's all very fascinating to me, and I'd love to get your take on all of that. Chakras. Just st- staying staying on uh, <laughs> staying on this topic. What's this? It's not chakra? Am I saying it wrong? No, it's just funny. Yeah, it's just like so many people are focused on the chakras. I'm like, dude, you you. I mean, I'm a 500 hour certified yoga instructor and like I've yeah. studied the chakras and all the energy systems and whatnot. And it's just, it's a term that so many people just loosely throw out. And it's just, it just makes me laugh. You're saying I'm a loose chakra guy? <laughs> no, I've seen this shirt and it says, don't fuck with me because my sh- my chakras are lying. Don't fuck with me. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Uh, right, go, give us some backstory on on the yoga. Like you're you're a yoga instructor. You just say that, but that like there's so much more. You're so much bigger than that. Why don't you give us some backstory and the benefits to that? You know. Yeah. So yoga, just like meditation, can be scary, right? And so many people that are yoga opposed or whatnot. I'm like yoga. Um, simply means to yoke or to unite or to connect. And so the more that you can move your body and get more connected to yourself, the more united you are. And the yeah, and as we know, whenever we're grounded and united and connected to our truth, like there's not a lot of things that can throw us off our journey. Like we know where we have we have that uh commitment and that and that feeling in our body that's like, I know that where I'm going is not easy, maybe, but I'm gonna do it anyway. And so Yoga has um, enabled me to be in front of thousands and thousands of people in really cool places all across the world um, and lead people back into their own power. I'm a big Tony Robbins guy. And uh, Tony Robbins, you know, the first thing he told me when I met him was like, I'm not here to fix you. I'm not here to fix you. Like, you're not broken. I don't believe anybody's broken. 
I'm here to unleash the power that's inside of you so that when your head tells you that it's not okay, you actually know that you're okay and you can keep moving forward. Hmm. And I found that same energy and power in yoga. And so when people leave my yoga class, my commitment is to make sure that they leave feeling more empowered, full of energy, rich with vitality, be able to manifest limitless possibilities in their life. And I know that because they leave feeling more connected to, okay, yeah, maybe I need to change that relationship. Maybe I need to ask for a raise. Maybe I need to quit drinking. Like whatever the thing is, yoga leads you to the thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it's a beautiful community. And I'm so grateful because man, 10 years ago, a little over 10 years ago, actually now almost 11, it was like real uncommon, you know, real uncommon to be you know, a white heterosexual conservative yoga instructor, uh, male, you know? So I was like, okay, but it, for me, this, this path really I'm called to, and it works. And, um, yeah, that's, that's yeah, why I no. stepped in. That's why I stepped into, into the yogic journey. And it's just, um, you know, guys, progress begins when you start telling yourself the truth and yoga leads you deeper to your truth. Hmm. Resolve this for me because I love everything that you just said. And you talked a moment ago about uh, Tony Robbins. Hey, I'm not going to fix you uh, before you believe. Um, and I agree with you that you know God created us as perfect beings, right? We don't need to be to be fixed. Now contrast that with you know when you heal energy. Explain that part of it. What does healing mean in that regard? Does it mean like broken and needs fixing, or is it more uh, out of alignment, needs alignment, or is it completely different? So go through what what exactly is energy healing from your perspective, and what do you do in that regard? Yeah, so I believe the body can heal itself when given the right tools. <laughs> and so um, I focus on healing from a cellular level. I think a lot of people focus on bigger picture. I, I focus on cellular level healing, which involves things like grounding and nature and red lights and hyperbaric chambers and ice baths and saunas and things like that, that really heal. And so when you say broken energy, there's no such thing because um, either cells are alive and they're charged, they're alive and negatively charged. So they're like, need some, need some, you know, like it's like your cells a battery, right? It's a powerhouse or they're dead and they need to be flushed through your lymphatic system. Right. And so those are three ways that cell that cells are, there's just like nothing really in between. And so by doing those type of things, like moving your body, sweating, detoxing, um, get exposing yourself to like what I call primitive, like ancestral therapies, things that are very natural, like cold water. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, just cold water. Like it's, you don't, it's, yeah, there's all these fancy ice baths out there in today's world, but really you can find cold water just about anywhere in the world, or you can make it using ice. Right. Yeah. And so, um, a unique concept about energy is that maybe you guys don't know this, but emotion, right. Our emotions, like how we are energetically is simply energy in motion, Hmm. energy in motion equals emotion. Mm. And the quality of our life depends on how we are emotionally overall. So if we're emotionally overall happy, joy, loving life, crushing it, well, then typically um, our the energy that we have in with inside of us is good. If it's not, the good news is, is that we're humans and we're alive if you're hearing this. And so all you need to do is move your body because when you shift energy and you put your body into motion – you're able to change the energetic state of your body, which is called the physiology. 
And so when you do that, then you change the way you feel. And when you change the way you feel, then everything in your life starts um, changing. You know, like Jamie, like the first time when you meet someone or Grant too, like when mm -hmm. you meet someone, like your energy introduces you before you even say a word. Yeah. Like I, you don't need to know, like when you're walking down the street or you're showing up at a, your next go abundance conference or wherever you're at, you typically don't need to know if you want to talk to someone or if, if the energy is right, or if you're curious about someone, cause like people's energy introduces them before they even speak. Yeah. That's so, that's so funny. I know like a couple of people and I, I hate to say it, but like <laughs> I get around them and I am repelled. I'm like, I don't want to be in their presence. Um, and it's just funny. I know Jamie, you're not one of them, and, <laughs> but, but, uh, you know what I mean? That I, I felt that at a young age too. And I'm like, what is this? I don't understand it. But hearing that from you, that, that makes a lot more sense. You know, it's just, recharge differently, right? Am I, am I correct in thinking that way? Well, yeah, I think uh, you're spot on because whether it's a person or an opportunity, like what's for you will not lower your vibration. That's, and that's how you'll know. That's how you'll know. That's how you'll know you're, you made the right choice. And that goes back to that innate, your body's innate ability to tell you whether or not <laughs> you're making a good decision. So if you override that decision, just be prepared that it could be a rough outcome. Got it. I got uh, one more for you. And I know you always bust our balls on this one, but uh, I'm going to bring it up. Cold shower. So I don't have an ice bath. I don't have any of that. But as you know, I'm doing 30 seconds, uh, you know, in a cold shower, as cold as it'll get. I know that doesn't compare, but but what are your thoughts on that? Is that something someone can do? Start start with a cold shower or or am I wasting my time? No, I think any time that you put your body into a situation where there's discomfort experienced. And so the science behind the cold is being radically studied globally on a very, very serious scale because you're starting to see older, specifically older people that have done ice baths and saunas their whole life living just clearly more abundantly healthy lives. And one of the reasons is it for, we just talked about cellular rejuvenation and energy. It forces those, those dead or those uncharged cells to go through your lymphatic system to be processed. And so as a result, yeah, you might only do 30 seconds to start with, but as you build up resiliency, that's something that's really important is, you know, your, your body's re resilience. So your body's ability to like, heal in the in the in the face of trauma <laughs> like even when life is you're like boom you might meet you might know guys that like oh like mma fighters you know dave in our group like yeah. you guy gets kicked in the face like you, how does the guy keep going you know well to an untrained athlete you don't <laughs> yeah. to a trained athlete you're like okay that's a little that's a little chink in the armor i'm gonna keep going i gotta keep laser focus i need to like i'm not dead i'm still alive so let's keep going and so until you lose that consciousness it's a, it's a, it's a something that will really shift um, energetically your whole system. Hmm. How, how is a, from, from your standpoint, I know everybody's a little bit different, but the food is such a uh, food and what you intake is hmm. such an important part of, you know, whatever uh, uh, everything, you know, how much inflammation you have, what your energy levels are, whether it's healthy or not, obviously, how do you, I've seen so many things I was telling, I uh, sent a, an account to grant this carnivore guy. Right. Yeah. The guy that, yeah. uh, that yeah, Paul meat. Saladino, Paul Saladino, the carnivore, know, MP, which is fascinating. Paul. trying to, <laughs> trying to get him on the show. Yeah. So, 
So somebody like that has like just eat meat, liver, uh, snout. I literally, he's like snout to tail. Just eat, yeah. eat animal, no plants, yeah. nothing. Then you have the other side of it, plants, and you know, this is from the earth, and da 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 da. From your perspective, from your perspective, what what is what are some of the elements that you look at? Maybe it's not like I recommend eating this or that, or you can do it if you want. But what are some elements in nutrition that you look at or that you that you tune into? Um, you know, in your version or your uh, not version, but in your um, you know, in the way in which you choose to go about biohacking. Yep. Well, first and foremost, I'll, I'll say by no means am I like if you it, when you meet me in person, you're like that is the fittest guy I know. Now, the healthiest person you know, I could I could be considered that. Like I'm gonna sure. live till I'm at least 150 years old. I'm still working on that 200 mindset, but I'm 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 like committed to 150. And so uh, the what what the best thing that I've ever found is like anytime I'm faced with a tough decision because I go to a lot of really fancy, nice, cool meals with uh, with investors and people in business and things like that. And so I enjoy like rich, good foods, but really, uh, you know, I anchor back to my roots of being a child growing up on a farm. I'm like, literally, just think about how many times what you're eating has like from the earth or from an animal, how many times has it been touched in the process? And the answer is the less amount of times, the the better the quality of the food is likely going to be. So JERF, which stands for just eat real food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so simple, but like, and it's like, might sound like kind of quirky, but like, if you just eat real food, man, you got to get rid of a lot of foods. And I'm not saying I don't cheat, you know, like I, <laughs> I love to have a bar on the go. Like if I'm, if I'm starving myself and I'm not going to eat the bar or the, whatever it is on the, as I'm traveling, then I'm going to put myself in a worse mood. My energy will be bad. And then I'll make worse decisions. I won't have the energy and focus and uh, clarity that I need for my, for work and, and, and the things that I'm committed to creating. And so it's really important to just navigate that health journey and take everyone's kind of advice. You know, Paul Saldino, the carnivore MD, who mm-hmm. he's a funny guy. Right. And then liver King, these guys, they're onto something. My favorite yeah. part about them is that they're just, they are exposing a lot of hidden truth, like all these yeah. seed oils. Like since when was a good idea to eat a seed oil? Seeds are made to protect things, <laughs> you know, they're, they're like the, and so it's really good to just be conscious and aware of what you're putting in your body and the that things, one of the, the things that cause inflammation. Yeah. That was one of the biggest seed oil. I never really, I honestly never really thought about it. You know, yeah. uh, uh, you get uh, chips from Chipotle. What are they fried in? Right. Like anything mm-hmm. other than, I guess olive oil is not a seed oil, right? This is probably the only one that's uh, that's okay in some ways, but I think, right. Am I wrong on that? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so any oil maybe then, um, but yeah, the amount of, he does a lot of stuff on that. It's just, yeah, it's, it's learning about all these different elements of nutrition that, uh, that uh, can impact you one way or the other. I like jerf, just eat real food. Cause yeah, I mean, a bag of Doritos is tempting sometimes, you know, um, less of that. Is and if your body craves it, a bag of Doritos isn't going to kill you every now and then. Right. right so it's right. satisfying that, 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 that need, that want, like who cares, who cares? Like it's whether or not you're, you know, buying the bag of cheaters every time you go to the store. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you have, that's the, goes back to the resilience and, and the mindset, like, yeah, I could eat the bag, but what is it going to do to my system? And that's my wife's book, you know, intuitively full yeah. is like really learning how to navigate that your mindset around food, because if you can beat the mind, 
then the chance, and you know how that food's going to make you feel, chances are you ain't going to eat the food. <laughs> great point. It's a great point. I want to resolve one quick thing, and then we'll go to, uh, I want to kind of talk about your serial entrepreneur journey, but back to the, the, uh, uh, we talked about your son, um, you know, the the vaccine book that you had read, all that stuff, which was fascinating to me. What I love about everybody in GoBundance, but, you know, you in particular is, uh, and we share this, is that inner defiance. Like, I, you know, I'm not I'm not going to be defiant just to be defiant, but like, it doesn't make sense to me. So I'm not going to go along with it, right? Like for me, that's education. I don't believe in traditional education. I don't think it serves kids. And we see it now, man. Like we, we put our kids in a Montessori. It's not traditional but it's not not traditional in some ways. Like there's still lines and there's still, you know, it's a little still too restrictive from my taste. But, um, you know, we'll get past that once we move back and everything. For you, I'm wondering, you know, as you go into your, your, your son goes to school, future kids, whatever, and there's, you know, a, a very fixed mindset on what is and what isn't, especially, man, not to get on a freaking rant, but especially in the school system today. Right. Like you have to do it this way, not that way. Wear this mask. Don't wear that. It's it's over the top. So for you now, do you have plans for that with your son? Are there thoughts on what are you homeschooling? Are you looking at active academies, that kind of thing? Or or are you just planning to kind of face the 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 institution of whatever board of education you're going to have to deal with one if and when you take your son to a traditional school? Yeah. So I think uh, I think we're kind of a non-traditional family in that sense. Yeah. You know, we both believe in education. Um, you know, I went to Carthage College, University of Wisconsin-Madison. I got my MBA from Rice University. My wife has her, she went to A&M and has her master's from A&M. So we believe in education institutions, but I think the thing that, that set me free was having discipline as a kid, right? So we grew up in a small village and I wasn't exposed to like radical, crazy things because, which really, uh, put me on a path that allowed me to, um, flourish right and like make better decisions because i was like well i've never seen or dealt with that thing before like i don't believe in that i'm going to keep doing what i believe in or what i've been taught and i think there's a lot of power in that and i just say there you know knowledge is power right and so but when you're a kid you don't have the wisdom that adults have to make discern and good decisions for yourself and that's where the that's where i get a little bit hesitant um you know fellow gobro aaron amustegi and his wife they wrote the five-hour school week i'm kind of more on on board with something like that like yeah. education based on experience but also also integrating the fundamental principles of of you know um uh, learning like like sure. math like doing the things but i will say that covid one good thing that covid did was it accelerated how kids learn you know they're giving all these yeah. kids like oh this kid like every kid has add notice these days you know yeah. why it's because no kid is meant to sit in a damn desk for eight hours and yeah. learn they're made to move you know like we're finally figuring this out generations later crazy. you know that crazy. like me squirreling around in the classroom when i was a kid was actually pretty normal i just was made to be outside and so uh there's there's a healthy balance that's going to be found and what COVID did was it allowed families and people to to, to kind of up level their virtual learning experience. Something that technology is great for is it gives us the ability to connect and to really, um, now that we're kind of, if you don't do technology, like you're really kind of missing out on a big part of the world. And so, but you got to manage your technology or your technology will manage you. And nobody, will, that's not good. It's not a good situation. One of the blessings of enrolling in this local Montessori is they do an assessment for intake, 
And, you know, it was a great test point for us with our, our, our seven-year-old. Cause you know, like I'm still, I come from the traditional school system. So, okay. Well, I guess, what are they going to say? Like what, what, how is he in these, like you said, core, core competencies like math and all this stuff. And they were like, yeah, yeah, all good. He's got one glaring opportunity. I'm like, oh, what's that? They're like Spanish. I'm like, well, yeah, okay, we knew that. <laughs> so hopefully we're here for you to fix that. That's what, that's what we, we need you to do. Um, but I love the non-traditional route. And um, yeah, for us, it was, uh, it was an interesting checkpoint to see uh, if we were to go the traditional route, how has he been doing without the need for, like you said this, what is the experiment, which is traditional school? Like for thousands and thousands of years before, mm -hmm. Education was not sit down, bell rings, listen to that person, go to this person's office. If you're not doing exactly what I tell you to do, we didn't, we built it for the industrial revolution. That's what it was built for. The Rockefellers did. So this is the experiment gone wrong at this point, because we're in a completely different world. But anyway, you mentioned serial entrepreneurship at the jump. Uh, you talked about intrapreneurship, which I love that concept. Where are you today? What, where are you, what are you working on? If you want to just kind of talk about some of, some of uh, some aspect of your journey, you could talk about anything here, like where you started and where you, where you've morphed to, or just, Hey, this is where I'm focused today, but tell me about your serial entrepreneurship path and or entrepreneurship path. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, so my path and my journey is involved and weaved across several different industries, but primarily, um, real estate and technology. And so it, when I moved to Chicago, I was in IT consulting as well as real estate. I moved down to Houston to do specialty chemicals and run a, a company that represented 22 global manufacturers of specialty chemicals. And so we, anyway, awesome opportunity, grew it, scaled it, sold it, had a nice severance. I was young at that age. And so really cool um, opportunity. And then I actually had an opportunity to work in cyber intelligence. And so I worked in the agency for 18 months and oversaw um, oversaw some pretty powerful things like human trafficking and narcos. Mm. And so during my time in that venture, I was able to really take a look behind the scenes on on things that happen in in our reality that we're not aware of. And so I was, I was going to work, fighting the good fight, you know, doing <laughs> doing good work. But I was also like, man. This is not in alignment with uh, having a family and creating a, a, a future of freedom. And so uh, after my year and a half was up, I did not renew my contract, which really did not make them happy because I was involved in some pretty, pretty private um, things. And, you know, getting clearance and all that takes some time. And so anyway, navigate out of that, met with my financial advisor. He's like, have you ever considered doing what I did? And that's when I launched my financial advising practice in 2015. Uh, grew and scaled that to roughly 20 million AUM uh, with about a billion dollars of insurance uh, placed. And so nice. that was cool. But then I also, once again, it was many years in, I helped a lot of people, including my wife, leave the W2, get to uh, get to creating their own company and whatnot. That's uh, a whole nother story. <laughs> and so then I started realizing like, wow, I'm helping and I'm helping a lot of families get to this um, place and, you know, with more families equals more responsibility. As I continue to grow my practice, I'm going to have more responsibility. And I'm like, not that I'm afraid of that, but I'm actually want to go the other way. And so I actually ended up uh, transitioning my practice over to a firm <clears throat> in Houston. And so it's very well managed. And I still bring people in for traditional financial planning and advising just on a, on a consulting 
because it's still it's still a business of mine, right? And so mm-hmm. that business, then I have a biotech company, a yoga company. And so the, these all these companies kind of work hand in hand. The biotech company is a holding company. I have many brands that I'm sponsored by or that I'm an ambassador or affiliate for, and they roll up underneath the, the company. Um, and then now, uh, which I'm most ex- and then moved back into real estate. <clears throat> um, I was working for a, well, let me go back a little bit. I missed something. There's a unique opportunity that I had uh, in the space of ESG, which is environmental, social, uh, and governance. So we, uh, me and a team of people built a, an asset management digital wealth platform that we put onto a platform called NextSeed, which is a crowdfunding platform where you can invest in small local businesses. So we democratized access to capital so people could put money towards something that, you know, mattered. And so the whole con- the whole conversation of can I do good and do well at the same time, hmm. uh, so that that was a really unique opportunity. But we grew it so fast and it scaled so quickly that we got bought in like literally uh, like fourteen months. And so oh, that wow. was the end of the road and the path for that. But I had really good experience with uh, family offices and um, some pretty ultra high net worth individuals. Um, leading those boardroom conversations about rolling, you know, a portion of their portfolio into these strategies uh, to be in alignment with their customers' needs and values. Did you get bought by a family office, private equity? What, what did that look like? Did there Was it a bolt-on for uh, like a family office that purchased you? Yeah, it was a larger brokerage on the East Coast. Nice. So nice. Amazing. Multi, wow. multi, this is multi. a full thing. You had like Reg CF uh, certified, like you had to go through an entire setup process to get this off the ground. And then now, and then you were able to sell it in That's less correct. than a, less than a year and a half. That's correct. Wow. And so that, that was a fun, fun journey. And uh, it allowed me to like, see how that whole world of scalability from small to medium sized enterprise to, <laughs> to going pretty big uh, worked out. And so then <clears throat> after that, uh, and as you can tell, I've done a lot of like, seems like a lot of quick things, but all these opportunities were very significant. Like I jump in and they're big, like bolsterous like opportunity. And then because it was such a good opportunity and we had the the tools we needed and the resources we needed to scale it, we of course got interest from other people because we made such a big impact. And so then I went to work for a private equity. And so I'd never been in private equity. So then I went into private equity is when COVID was starting to hit. And I worked in private equity real estate um, in Houston, Texas and joined GoBundance and got my MBA from Rice University. (laughs) Um, That opportunity was significant because it was cool because I never got to work in that space. But what it did is it really opened the aperture, the lens to see what, how, and, and what that space was like. And there's obviously just like any industry or space, there's its pluses and minuses. But I found myself being very effective with raising capital and also um, just having conversations around impact. And so as I navigated through that opportunity, um, because it was very land-based, and so what that looks like uh, is kind of slow-paced. And I'm a fast-paced guy, if you can't tell by now. (laughs) And so I like like, uh, making change and things happen quick and I'm, and I thrive in like very fast paced and dynamic environments where there's kind of like chaos. Like I actually yeah. thrive well in chaos. And so, um, just recently I just accepted a director position with a, 
multi-billion dollar uh, real estate firm called DLP Capital. And mm. so I'm very grateful because I'm now aligned with a company that is aligned with my values. And so it's this beautiful autonomous relationship where I don't have to pretend to be anybody but myself. And I get to do what I'm best at to make a collective impact that is like so much more profound. It's like the, th- it's like the job or the career that I'd prayed for that would come yeah. to me. And it came to me mm-hmm. as a result of risking, quote unquote, uh, where I was going by joining GoBundance. Uh, and so I, I was able that. to, you know, meet Don Wenner and Bo Parfait, some of the some of the leaders of DLP. Don is the founder, and so they're also GoBros. And I was like, man, you guys are really uh, tackling some big issues like the happiness crisis, the workforce workforce housing crisis, things that are really important to me as well. And so we got in those conversations, and then I just had recently transitioned, and so now I'm just grateful that I get to. Um, I really get to take a culmination of everything that I've learned and the and the relationships and and the things that I've kind of have distilled and gained a lot of wisdom over the years. And now I'm able to put them into play and make a big impact with a company that's kind of like leading the charge in this space, by the way. And so I'm very Love grateful. <laughs> Love it. We're getting close to time, but Grant, I think you have a question and then we'll we'll wrap up with a, a question from the Gobundas card game. Go for it, Grant. Yeah, I have two quick questions. Um, tell us about your hobbies you you do. I know you're uh, you're involved with beekeeping. I mean, there's some things that are really close to your heart. Can you touch on those real quick? Definitely. So the things that I'm really important that are important to me are revolved around uh, conservation. I'm, you know, we have this beautiful world to take care of, and so I serve on the board of directors, uh, board of advisors for Hives for Heroes, which is an organization that saves bees and saves vets. I also serve uh, uh, for the Houston Livestock Rodeo Show on a, on a, on a group called uh, Breeders Greeters. And so philanthropy is a big part of uh, my heart. And it, 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 honestly, between that and travel and being a dad, kind of booked up. So scuba diving, golfing, hiking, like if they're uh, Formula One racing is, is something that I'm really passionate about that uh, has been a, just kind of like a hobby, I guess, for a long time. I'm a Green Bay Packers fan. So uh, watch that. I watch the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, I like to go to games. I like <laughs> experiences. So like, I'm the kind of guy that just likes to really experience life to its fullest. Like I might not like the play or the thing that I'm going to go to, but I like to go for the experience. I love, uh, grilling. Like I'm a big Traeger guy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, those are some of the things that I love doing. You got a great Instagram, by the way. I love seeing all these different things you're doing on there. Um, I got one more question for you. Give me like one to two things back to biohacking. One to three things maybe quickly that um, people could do, implement today that are easy that we're not thinking of. I mean, we talked about a couple of them, but what what can I implement today to start on my biohacking journey? Mm. So the number one thing that you can do today is to go outside for at least two times the amount of time you're going outside today. So double your outside time. Number two is manage your technology, which also means lights, manage your lights. So what kind of lights are around you? Cause we're light beings and we absorb energy, whether it's good or bad. And so manage your lights and then uh, put your body every single day get your body uh, into a place where you feel challenged. 
That doesn't mean you have to go to the gym for an hour. That could mean you hold a plank for as long as you can. And you're like, you want to quit, but you push your mind past the quitting point to, to build that resilience and find that new edge. So my number one way to do that is, is obviously the ice bath because mm-hmm. there's multiple effects. And just because I've been doing it for 10 years and have th- taught thousands of people doesn't mean I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Right. I, I, yeah. I, sh- I, sh- I haven't fully gone into the ice bath thing or the cold shower thing, but my wife does. And she says she gets great benefits from it. So I'll have to, I believe you and I'll have to believe her. So, all right, man, in the interest of time, we're going to wrap up. I know you got some traveling to do today. We're going to get you a question from the abundance card game. And the question from the nine of clubs is what's something you've done that you would try to dissuade others from doing. And, being friends with Grant does not apply. So anything yeah. other than that. Yeah. Take that off the, take that off the table. Yeah. yeah. Anything you would dissuade others from doing. That is a really good question. I would say I off the cuff, cause you did not tell me you're going to ask you this question. I would say the number one thing that I would tell people uh, to not do is to idolize someone that you don't that that like there has been people in my past that i've looked up to in an unhealthy way and attached myself to and thought man if i could be that person my life would be so awesome Mm -hmm. and as a result i lost myself in the process i sacrificed my own unique gifts and like my own presence in the world and so like if there's one thing that i honestly would never do again it's like i want to be like that person in an unhealthy way it's, you know, it's good to see, see good things in other people because they're mirrors for us. But honestly, uh, there's people that I've idolized in the past and that have, that have, you know, sacrificed my own unique, unique brand and image as a result of. So great advice, man. Great advice. And I tell nobody that question, the, the go abundance card game question before people are like, oh, what's the question? I'm like, nope, you will not know until you ask it. So I love seeing the answer on the spot and great job with that answer. G dubs. Good job on this episode, my friend. Number one in the book. She feeling good? Yeah, that was great, man. I'm uh, really excited. That was uh, that was really good, buddy. You sound excited. Wow, that was a really exciting sound that you just made. I'm really excited. Brett, where can people reach out, learn more, do whatever they need to do to find you? Yes, of course. Well, I'm a pretty open book, so I'm on LinkedIn. My name, Brett Harmeling. I'm on Instagram, Brett Harm at Brett Harmeling. <laughs> and uh, feel free to put my email or phone on this podcast. Uh, I would love to to connect and just. Well, something that I want to leave you guys with is just, you know, really forgive yourself for not knowing what you didn't know before you learned it. So anything we talked about today or anything that you ever learned, like just, you know, forgive yourself. You have to learn things before you can hold yourself accountable. And mm. love it. That's good. I'm going to forgive there, myself. I'm going to forgive oh, myself for accepting this position, by the way. <laughs> yeah, you should. I love it. With that in mind, Brett, thanks again, brother. We'll talk soon. And Grant, always a pleasure. See you guys. Thanks, guys.